0: and happy New Year. And guess what? Winter arrived today, didn't it? Yes, and I'm glad to see that there's a pretty good group here that's told to, that decided to brave the wind and the winter. And, and I just want to welcome you here on this first Sunday of the new year. And if you're online uh, for whatever reason, I think there's a lot of people out there that are feeling under the weather, uh, under the weather. Uh, even regardless of what the weather is, they're still under it. And, uh, and we just want to welcome you here also. Uh, you know, this is a, a, a treat for me. Uh, by the way, I'm not Mac Richard. Uh, he's a little bit taller than me. And uh, uh, I'm Terry Cadwell. I'm, I'm a pastor here at Lake Hills Church. And, and, and I'm privileged. I, I just love it when Mac, when Mac calls me and says, hey, can I get you to preach for me on? He gives me a day. And, and I, love, I love doing this to be here with y'all and in this, which is also my church. You know, this month, January of this month, I'm going to turn 75 years old. Now folks, that's, that's, that's old. I mean, that really is old. And I, I can remember, I can remember m- my dad when he was 75. I can remember my grandfather when he was 75. I never thought about me ever being 75. And you know, on most days, I don't feel 75. But then there are some days, like this last week when I, I, I loaded and unloaded and then stacked a cord of firewood, okay, my whole body hurts. And what, what doesn't hurt doesn't work. You know, and so, and, and, and so, I, I, so sometimes I, I feel like that. Well, the, the Lake Hills Church, our staff, we celebrate birthdays at our monthly staff meetings. And at those celebrations, uh, Pastor Mac, he will ask the birthday person what's something that they've learned in, in their life during their however many years, in my case 75 years, that uh, you would want to tell the rest of us that we might benefit. And I've been thinking about that. And if he asked me that, I'm going to say, I've already thought about what I'm going to say. I'm going to say I'm, that I've learned that very few of the things we worry about actually happen. You know, which is really kind of nice. But if that's the case, then why do I worry so much? You know, Paul called himself the chief of sinners. I think I'm the chief of warriors. In fact, one day this last week, I woke up and I wasn't worrying about anything. And I immediately started worrying that I maybe forgot what I was supposed to be worrying about. And, and I was thinking about this, this is January the 2nd. So that means there's a whole year of possible worries ahead of me. How cool is that? I'll never lack of something to worry about. You know, Jesus told his followers that they didn't need to worry. That he had all those things taken care of. And and he told them that they didn't need to worry because the father already knew all the things that they're worrying about. And if they would just seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, then, then he would take care of all those other things. Well, now, okay, Don, does that mean that Christ followers are guaranteed to have a happy marriage, that they're guaranteed to have good health, that they're guaranteed they're going to have good kids and financial security? You know, I know people who actually became Christians thinking that if they became a Christian, then God was sort of obligated to fix the things that were broken. You know, maybe their marriage, maybe they had problems with their kids, maybe they had problems in their finances. And then if God didn't do that, in some cases, they walked away from the faith. If you have your Bibles, turn to Romans chapter 1. And while you're looking for Romans 1, as I look back in my 54 years as a Christ follower, I would have to say that God may have taken care of all the things that I worried about, but he didn't necessarily take care of them the way I would have liked for him to take care of them. It was 1973. Uh, Patsy and I were living in Roswell, New Mexico, and uh, she was pregnant. She had had two previous miscarriages, and it looked like we were about to have miscarriage number three. Well, Patsy and I, we knelt by the bed, and and we began to pray. And I said, God, stop this miscarriage. And then Patsy was getting ready to pray, but when Patsy prayed, she said, God, if this child is not going to honor you with her life, then just go ahead and take her. Well, I thought this was kind of interesting. This was 1973. We didn't know what the gender of our child was going to be, but somehow Patsy knew And so she said, God, if this child is not going to honor you with her life, then go ahead and take her. But then she went on, and she said, God, if she will honor you with her life, then stop this miscarriage. Well, in a matter of minutes, not hours, minutes, that miscarriage stopped. And for the next 18 years, that miracle child honored God with her life. But what if, contrary to Patsy's prayer, there, became, there came a time when she was not honoring God with her life? What if, like the prodigal son, there came a time when she rebels against her, the biblical values that she was, was raised with? If that is God's way of taking care of things that I worried about. And that's certainly not the way I would have wanted God to take care of them. Let's pray. Lord God, Father, it is such a privilege for us to gather together as your children and as your church to open up your word and hear what your word has to say to us. But God, that's not something that happens unless your Holy Spirit is involved. And so God, I just ask you, don't let anything in me get in the way of what you want to accomplish through your word in the lives of each one of us today. But God, instead, Lord, fill me with your Holy Spirit and use me, Lord, to help call attention to the things, the truth in your word, the life-changing truth that's there in your word. And give us all the grace to catch it. Father, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Romans chapter 1, verse 17 says, For in the gospel the righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. Now, what does that mean, the righteous will live by faith? Jesus had told his disciples, he said, if you just have a little bit of faith, faith as small as a mustard seed, you can pray, and you can tell this mountain to move, and it will move all the way to the ocean. You know, when I was a young Christian, I thought that living that's what living by faith was. It was walking through life, moving mountains, you know, healing people, casting out demons, stopping miscarriages, those sorts of things. And I thought that what, that's what living by faith was. But what does living by faith look like if God doesn't move the mountain? Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1 says, Faith is the certainty of things hoped for, the assurance of things not seen. So according to Hebrews 11, faith is the assurance, the certainty, the confidence about things that we hope for but don't see. And then, so that you and I will know what living by faith looks like in real life, Hebrews 11 goes goes on and lists a whole bunch of people who had incredible, unwavering faith. Now, if we examine the lives of all of these people and these experiences in Hebrews chapter 11, we will discover that sometimes living by faith is moving mountains. And sometimes living by faith is having the faith to climb the mountain. But then, a lot of times, living by faith has nothing to do with mountains. It's trusting God enough to live life the way God wants when there are no mountains. That's what it was for them. And it's the same for us. It's saying no to some things and yes to other things simply because that's what a godly life looks like. Or as Pastor Mack would say, It's doing the next right thing, regardless of what we feel or what we want or what our friends say, trusting that God is going to work it all out in the end. Now, let's go back to Hebrews, this Hebrews 11 definition of faith. Faith is the assurance, the confidence, the certainty about things we hope for but don't see. Now, let's think. What unseen things? is living by faith absolutely certain about. Now, I'm only 75 years old, so I'm still learning. Okay, but I want to share with you what I've learned so far in my 54 years as a Christ follower. Living by faith is trusting God regardless of the circumstances, certain that God is God that he is sovereign that he has unlimited power and authority. Jeremiah chapter 32 verse 17 says, "Ah, Lord God, behold, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and by your outstretched arm nothing is too difficult for you." It was God's sovereignty that David was counting on when he faced the giant Goliath. It was it was God's sovereignty, his, his power that I, I was appealing to 54 years ago when I, when I said, God, if you're powerful enough to raise Jesus from the dead, you can do something about my stuttering. It was God's sovereignty that Patsy and I were counting on when we prayed and asked God to stop the miscarriage. It's God's sovereignty that we are depending on whenever we ask God to move a mountain. Now, let's add Another certainty to being certain that God is God. Living by faith is also trusting God regardless of the circumstance. Certain that God is good. Psalm chapter 107, verse 1 says, Oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. For his loving kindness is everlasting. Did you know 32 times in the Bible we are told that God is good. I think if it, the Bible says it 32 times, that's something that God wants us to catch. He's good. And his goodness is on a whole nother level from what we normally think of as being good. God's goodness is infinite. He is infinitely righteous. He is infinitely pure. He, he, he is never told a lie. He has never broken a promise, and he never will. He has never tempted anyone to do wrong. If it was possible for us to do an MRI of God, which is impossible because he's infinite, okay? But let's just say we could do an MRI of of God, and we scanned God as far back into eternity as our little eternal MRI machine could go. We would not find an impure word, an impure thought, an impure motive or an impure desire. No matter how far back we scanned, it's not there. OK, let's go forward into the future. And let's turn our scan to God in the future. No matter how far we go, we will never discover an impure word, impure thought, our motive, our desire. It's not there, because God is good. Now, I hadn't been a Christian for very long when I began to question God's goodness. Started with a young woman named Karen. She got real sick quick and was taken to the hospital. And Patsy and I prayed, and and I left, headed to the hospital to share the gospel with her. We weren't sure whether or not Karen was a Christian. And on my way to the hospital, Karen died. I'd been a Christian two years. It really rocked my faith. God's goodness for me was tested again by a young man named Roy. He was uh, 17, 18 years old. He had been born with some birth defects. And and boy, uh, Roy became a Christian, and, and I baptized him. And then I prayed and I asked God to heal Roy, but God didn't heal him. And then God's goodness ran into another challenge with a young woman, a young mother named Lisa. She had two little kids. And she was in a tragic car accident there in Roswell, New Mexico. And she was wheeled out of the hospital as a quadriplegic. And I prayed for Lisa. Asked God to heal her. We even took her to a healing service. Wheeled her in in a wheelchair. And we had to wheel her out in that same wheelchair. Because God didn't heal Lisa. And I didn't understand. If God... Is God, if he's sovereign, if he's all-powerful. And I I didn't doubt that he was. He raised Jesus from the dead. If God is all-powerful and good, then those mountains should have moved. And there were other mountains that didn't move. And so I began to doubt God's goodness. And I began to dwell on the mountains that God didn't move. And my faith crashed. Now, my faith crashed because I measured God's goodness by the mountains that he moved. And that's not the way you measure God's goodness. Go back to Psalm 107, verse 1, which says... Oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. Now look at this next phrase. For his loving kindness is everlasting. That's the measure of his goodness. That word there that's translated in our Bibles, loving kindness, is the Hebrew word chesed. And and it's a word for love, but it's not love like we think of love. It's It's a faithful forever kind of love. It's a love that continues to show kindness to the one loved, even if that love is not returned. It's a love so committed to loving that there's nothing the beloved can do to keep from being loved. In fact, the whole Old Testament is an account of all of the unsuccessful attempts of God's people to try to keep God from loving them, and they couldn't succeed. It's that kind of love, which we now know is also his goodness, okay, most, was most clearly demonstrated in Jesus' death on the cross. Romans chapter 5, verse 8 says, but God demonstrates his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. God's love, his goodness was demonstrated in that while we were sinners, while we were doing things to try to keep God from loving us. Jesus died for us. When I began to understand this and I realized that God's love was not demonstrated to me by the mountains that he moved, but by Jesus dying for me, then I was put back on a road learning to live by faith. Now, I still didn't understand why Karen died, I still didn't understand why God didn't heal Roy or Lisa. But I was absolutely certain that God is good because Jesus died for me. And that realization added a third certainty to living by faith. We can trust God, regardless of the circumstance, certain that God loves us. Now, God doesn't prove he loves us by fixing our marriage or by getting us a job, or by healing a disease, or stopping a miscarriage. Now, sometimes he does those things, but that's not how he proved his love for us. We can be certain that God loves us, because while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And then several chapters later, Paul says, and nothing can separate us from that love. In Romans chapter 8, verse 38, Paul says, For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will ever be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing can separate us from God's love. Now, I want to combine that with something that Paul said 10 verses earlier in Romans 8, 28, when he says, and we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. And that gives us a fourth certainty that goes with living by faith. We can trust God regardless of circumstances, knowing that nothing can separate us from God's love or his purposes for us. Now, I want to talk a little bit about those, the, the things that can't separate us. And I want to focus on one thing. You know, Paul here in Romans, eight, hey, he gives a whole list of things. But I want to talk about the one thing that sometimes we think separates us from God's love, and that's sin. According to this, sin, even our sin, can't separate us from God's love. Did you know that before you were born, God knew every sin you would ever commit, ever. And he put put them all, all of them, every single one on the cross with Jesus. That's what 1 Peter 2, 24. It says, he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. Folks, that means there's nothing we can do. There's no sin we can commit that will separate us from God's love and his purpose for us because he put it on the cross. And then God also put his Holy Spirit in us to make sure that we would be able to accomplish his purposes that he has for us. In Ephesians chapter three, verse 20, it says, now to him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or even think of according to his power that works within us. And that's a fifth certainty that goes with living by faith. We can, be, we can trust God, regardless of the circumstances, certain that His Holy Spirit is in us, and He will enable us to thrive, regardless of the circumstances. Now, this certainty that the Holy Spirit will, would enable me to thrive faced its biggest test Yet in me, when our miracle child, like the prodigal son, rebelled against the biblical values that she had been raised with, and she allowed herself to get all tangled up in a life of sin. Now, my faith had grown since I was a younger Christian, and I did not need God to, do, to prove that he was good or to prove that he loved me by, by doing a miracle. But what I did need from God was for his Holy Spirit to do in me what Ephesians 3.20 says he will do. I needed his Holy Spirit in me to enable me to overcome the grief that I felt and be the husband and the father and the pastor that I needed to be. And so there was not a day that went by that I didn't pray and say, God, by your Holy Spirit in me, enable me to be the husband and the father that Patsy and my kids need me to be. And I was a pastor. I was a pastor in Tyler. And then later I was a pastor in Arizona. And now I'm a pastor here at Lake Hills Church. And, and there, there hasn't been a message that was prepared or delivered or a person who I counseled or a person who I shared the gospel with, that I didn't first ask, appeal to God, that by His Holy Spirit, He would do in me what I could not do on my own. And I've been constantly amazed, so much so that regularly, every day, I would just thank God that His Holy Spirit in me Really did what he said he could do in Ephesians 3.20. That his Holy Spirit in me enabled me to accomplish the purposes that he had for me. Now for 20 something years, there was a spiritual war going on for the soul of our daughter. Sometimes it looked like righteousness was winning. There were other times when there was no evidence God was even in the picture. But my living by faith did not depend on what was going on in my daughter's life. In fact, as I look back, it was my time with God in the Bible that enabled me to live by faith. Because it was my time with God in the Bible that constantly reminded me that God is God, He is sovereign, and He is good. And all of those other certainties that go with living by faith. I asked Patsy how she is able to live by faith regardless of the circumstances. And she says she lives by faith by continually reminding herself that God is sovereign and that God is good. Well, now, I need more help than Patsy. And it's my time with God in the Bible that reminds me daily all of those certainties that make living by faith a reality. Well, it was the summer of 2018 that uh, we began to see signs that our daughter was reaching out to God. And then on September the 11th, 2018, the prodigal really did come home, but not just to us, but also to God. And I saw God do a mountain-moving miracle greater than any miracle I have ever seen in my 54 years as a Christ follower and I've seen some really cool mountain-moving miracles, but nothing like this. But that's her story. My story is about learning to live by faith, regardless of the circumstance. Now, as I look ahead, I have no idea what 2022 looks like. But regardless, I really would like to live 2022 by faith. And the best way I know to kick off living 2022 by faith is to tell God, God, I want to live this next year by faith. And that's what I did yesterday morning during my time with the Lord. I said, God, I really want to live this year by faith. And I said, God, and you know I'm the chief of warriors, but I don't want to be the chief of warriors. I want to live 2022 by faith. And since I know that I need help I also ask Him, God, give me the grace, give me the will to have that regular time with you in the Bible so that I will constantly be reminded that you are God, that you are good, that you love me, that nothing can separate me from your love or your purpose for me, and that your Holy Spirit is in me and will enable me to thrive regardless of the circumstance. Now, how about you? Would you like for 2022 to be a year that you live by faith? What would you think about telling God that? Don't just tell yourself. What would you think about actually telling God that? I just want to say, if you really want to live 2022 by faith, then... It's important that you don't just keep it to yourself. You really need to start by telling God that that's what you want to do because that's where you're going to get, according to Ephesians 3.20, that's where you're going to get the power to live, twenty twenty two by faith. So telling God's a really important part of that. Okay, And then if you're like me, do you need time with, are you one of those who will need time with God in the Bible constantly reminding you of those certainties that go with living by faith. If that's the class, we're actually going to have a class here. I mean, if, if, if that's where you are, we're, we're going to have a class here at Lake Hills Church on January the 23rd, and it's called It's Personal. And it, it's a class about having an effective time with God. And if, you're, if you would like to see uh, to, to, to help, some help maybe with your time with God, what it looks like, and how you can have that effective time with God. That class is for you, and we're serious about it. There's going to be ch- child care for that class. You just go on, on our website, lhc.org. Up in the right, there's a little there's a little place where you click on grow, and then you click on classes, and scroll all the way to the bottom, and you'll see something that says it's personal. Now, you'll need to register, so we'll know to, that you're coming, and if you have kids, and those sorts of things. But if you need help having this having a time with the Lord. And if you need help having this 2022 by faith and, the, and God's word and time with the Lord helping you do that, then I want to encourage you. Look on our website and sign up for that class. If you want to live 2022 by faith, in just a little while, we're going to give you an opportunity to tell God that. There may be people around you who are not Christ followers yet, and they're going to be given the privilege, the opportunity to write on this first Sunday of 2022 to ask Jesus Christ to come into their life and be their Lord. And while they're doing that, then you just tell God, God, I want to live 2022 by faith. And if you also know you need time in the word to constantly remind you of those certainties, then tell God, God and I want to be consistent in my time with you. But Lord, I need help. And on that, I would suggest that you don't try to do it all year at a time. Do it one week at a time. Every week, say, God, I wanna live this next week by faith. And God, I wanna live this, live this next week having a regular time with God. I'm gonna encourage you to do that. Now maybe you are here beginning the first Sunday of a new year and you're not really sure about your relationship with God. You know that verse that we read from Romans a while ago? It says, the righteous will live by faith. When it talks about the righteous living by faith, the righteous, the term the righteous is not referring to what kind of home you grew up in or what kind of church you attended growing up or what kind of church you attend now. Or it's not talking about your behavior. The righteous is referring to a person who by faith has entered into a relationship with, with Jesus by asking him to be Lord and if you're ready to do that if you would really like to start off 2022 by living by faith then the place to begin is by placing faith in Jesus and asking him to come into your life and be your Lord will you bow your heads please everybody bow your heads And if that's a decision that you would like to do, to start this year off entering into a relationship with God, then you can begin that today by asking Jesus to come into your life and be your Lord. It's not hard. When I I made that decision 54 years ago, my prayer was very short. I just said, Lord Jesus, come into my life and take me like a football and run with me wherever you want to go. And then I said, Amen. And you can do the same thing. You can just pray, pray, move your lips, however, you pray, and, and ask Jesus by name to come into your life and be your Lord. Now, while your heads are bowed, And if you just pray that prayer, we have a tradition around here. I I would like to ask you just to raise raise your hand. It's not so much for us, it's for you. It's kind of marking this spot, telling God, God, I'm serious. I really do want Jesus Christ, your son, to be my Lord. So just put your hands up in the air and hold it, hold it there, telling God, I'm serious. I want Jesus Christ, your son, to be my Lord. Now we have another tradition here at Lake Hills Church, and that is, as you put your hands down, we put ours together. And for those, for those of you who raise your hands, I want to just say, welcome home.